Welcome back to another episode of the Treat Yourself podcast presented by Wonderful. I am Michael and this is my co-host Moon. Hello. We are joined today by another wonderful guest. He's a good friend of mine and his name is Jack Chen, aka at UKP Films and at UKP underscore portrait. He's a photographer and filmmaker based out of New York who has been honing his craft since grade school. He just released a new short film that was inspired by Blade Runner called Remember Me which was selected for the New York Flash Film Festival. We really enjoy learning about where he draws his inspirations from as a creative and what makes him happy. We're super excited for this episode and we hope you guys enjoy it. Let's go. So yeah, Jack, um, please uh, introduce yourself in 30 seconds. Yeah, so I, I guess I do a little bit of everything in terms of media, like my undergrad was in filmmaking, but right now I'm doing a graduate program for uh, it's called human computer interaction it's basically a bunch of things that has to do with uh, media and art and uh, science kind of combined so uh so yeah i have like filmmaking and photography background but right now i'm kind of branching more of it into like uh 3d things and like a tiny bit of coding and uh yeah just a bit of everything and also like some uh, uh I've been learning some virtual production these days as well, like with uh, using like game engine to make 3D environments. But uh, yeah, basically just kind of branching all around media and a little bit of technology in general, I would say. Yeah. Nice, nice, dude. So sick. Um, yeah. Um, Jack takes, you know, Jack makes like cool films and also takes like great portraits. Yeah, for um, sure. I saw his work yeah. on Instagram. They were still, I, yeah. oh, thank I you. really thank liked you. it. <laughs> Yeah, you can find him at UKP underscore film and uh, at UKP no, underscore. Actually, the, the film one's no underscore. Yeah, it's just UKP film. Oh, okay. Film one's yeah. no underscore. Yeah, yeah. The portrait one is UKP and then there's an underscore and then portraits. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Yes. Uh, please go check out his work. I think um, you just had like a, like a new uh, film, like a short film that got like nominated, uh-huh. right? Yeah, yeah, I just finished up. It's a funny story, actually, because it's like, uh, it's actually a Blade Runner tribute film, and I started making it in 2019, and it's supposed to take place in, like, 2020, because it's, like, a retro future kind of thing, and then, but I finished it up in, like, 2022 because of the pandemic, and then I recently just, like, you know, submitting it to festivals and stuff, and, yeah, recently I got nominated in uh, two of them so far, but hopefully we'll see if we can go anywhere else. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. That's awesome, man. That's yeah, awesome. that's so dope. Great to hear. But hey, I mean, I, I still feel like I'm living in 2020, man. It's it just it's like 2020 and uh, 2021 are too similar. <laughs> yeah, the pandemic just keeps on going, you know, like yeah. you got Yo, the normal BC, COVID and now there's the Delta. Yeah. In BC, they require masks now indoors. Mm-hmm. So it's back. It's like it's going backwards. Ah, yes. Yeah. I, I I don't even have any confidence that this will ever be over now. It's just it's just been going on for too long. But yeah, um. So you said you did your uh, undergrad in filmmaking, right? Is is filmmaking something you've always been interested in, or was that something like recent or? You took took yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it started kind of early because. Uh, Actually, my my father was, he shot some commercials in China before as well. And then when I was young, they showed me films as well. So I think it's always kind of always been something I'm generally interested in. And then in, uh, when I was in around grade seven and eight, I kind of started making videos on my own. They started out like 
um yeah I actually i just started out making like these kind of like vid uh, videos based on video games it's just kind of like call of duty in real life kind of shit like lots of people were doing that too mm -hmm. you know it's just like a, like really weird lame video game parody videos kind of thing and then that's where i got started but then i just kept on doing it and then so when it was time to um apply for universities like um also thanks to my parents who were very supportive you know they 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 said you know film could be an option and then or just art school in general because um so yeah that's how i uh picked my major uh yeah because around the high school um i i was also making like a bit more short films and i did like I already entered like this one small contest in Surrey um, and I like, and some other like small contests here and there. So it kind of turned into like uh, a little bit more serious hobby from just like um, totally like a one-time thing from when I was in elementary school. So, and then, yeah, so I picked film major for university. Uh, yeah, and then so for four years, I just did that and I made, made even more films. Nice, nice, nice. So uh, you mentioned um, early on, you started out making like Call of Duty videos. And then, uh, you know, this, uh, you recently made like a Blade Runner tribute. So do you kind of get um, inspiration from just like mainstream media? Yeah, I mean, I think especially when you were young, like I think people in general, you know, the content you consume is usually just whatever is the most popular is what you consume. And, but, you know, after going to undergrad, you know, cause I went to an art school, so I got exposed to kind of the more, you know, those arts, artsy art house experimental stuff more. So, you know, they made us read about like art history and just like different philosophy and stuff like that. And we watched like these more kind of critically acclaimed kind of slower films sometimes too. So I right. think, yeah, for sure. When I started out, it was like, obviously, you know, like Call of Duty and like, you know michael bay stuff or whatever and then but you know throughout undergrad uh you know they showed us more a bigger variety of you know uh other works as well so i i think and by now i think it's kind of a hybrid of both you know like obviously i still consume some mainstream media but other times you know it's also good to just like explore around a bit and you know look up some maybe some like weird old films or just some like unique films from another country or something, you know, just Definitely. to get that wide range, you know? Yeah. Okay. So you got your inspiration now, like what's the next step in the filmmaking process? Do you write your own script? Do you gotta like look out for talent now? Or? Yeah. So, I mean, these days I'm mostly, you know, I'm a full-time grad student right now. So I'm not, working on like a lot of film projects that I'm self-directing right now like I just did my Blade Runner film and other than that I just help on like you know my friends projects and stuff in filmmaking but uh yeah in general uh with the short films that I make I would write direct and like usually produce edit and stuff as well like Damn. I just kind of do a little bit of everything um so yeah one man army wow see like how do you actually like write your own scripts? <laughs> like, do you just read a lot of books? And or do you like get like inspiration from other places? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely lots of different ways and places to get inspiration. I think, um, you know, usually if, um, if you go to like a film school or something, like where people would often say like, you know, don't write about what you don't know. So it's like, usually, you know, your everyday life, you, you 
could get inspiration from that. But, you know, at the same time, um, you could also get it from other artwork, right? Because, right. you know, usually any good idea or any good artwork, it comes from like, you know, a good idea or a good artwork from before. Like, like we only get new ideas by combining old ideas or, right, right. you know, at least taking stuff from our own lives, right? So, um, but yeah, I would say in general, like both, you know, just your own life and also other media or other artworks, they, they could both be inspirational. Um, so yeah, I, I think film uh, specifically, like oftentimes people get stories from their own life. And I guess same with like fiction or novel and things like that. Um, because you know you you kind of gotta you know live the life and interact with people you know to see how they work and you know what, what people do in what scenario and just like kind of experiencing the world world kind of thing you know um, but but at the same time you know I think in terms of stylistic choice or I, I guess in any element but uh, you know it's also good to reference other artworks like um, for example uh, yeah like one I think one director that's kind of becoming more and more popular at least in you know my some of my film friend circles like Wong Kar Wei for example he's a like a famous Hong Kong director and he does a lot of these like really style stylish uh, like very heavily stylized kind of retro Chinese slash like from like uh, 20th century kind of Shanghai or Hong nice. Kong lives and it's like a very specific palette and kind of mood they go for and you know I think that kind of thing like when it comes to aesthetic choice um, you can definitely get a lot of inspiration from the other works because obviously, you know, um, at least in terms of like visual and maybe sound like you only you only go to so many places and stuff in real life, right? Like maybe if you want to explore characters and you want to think about how people behave, you know, you, know, you can take it from real life or, or fiction too, you know, but in terms of like stylistic choice, I think oftentimes, uh, you know, it could be from other media or other you know like like uh yeah because you know if you don't live in like 1930s shanghai or like 1960s hong kong it's hard to like make a one car way style film for example oh, yeah. You know, like yeah 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 so so i think yeah those are kind of two main ways you can get inspirations that's cool so you bring up style so the um, yeah i wanted to ask you about this actually so I noticed uh, with like your portraits usually of uh, it's it's like very kind of futuristic like cyberpunk mm -hmm. kind of style how did you kind of land on that style? And because of that style, do people come to you looking for that like specific kind of portrait? Yeah, so I, I kind of first started doing photography for fun. Like I would say uh, just when I was a bit more than halfway down my undergrad, like, cause again, I did it for film and I like, I have some photo friends, but actually I remember when I first started my undergrad, I was like not interested in photography at all. And then, but then it's cause I had this one photo friend who did like a lot of really cool shoes that kind of made me realize like, oh, actually, you know, if you play around with like the art direction and stuff, you can shoot some like really cool stuff with UN portraits and things like that. And then, but I didn't start out uh, doing portraits of, I, I'm gonna avoid saying shooting people, that's it's gonna sound funny, but I, I didn't start off doing portraits of people um, right away. It was actually like city photos mostly at first. So I, I would do these like kind of like neon sci-fi looking um, shots of um, actually my hometown in China, uh, Fuzhou. Um, and then I, I think it was like, there's still a lot of people doing that. It's like a pretty, pretty um, big trend, I guess, is these kind of neon sci-fi style like Asian cities, you know, that's where I started out. And then like from there, I, I just play around with the edits a bit and then um, 
also inspired by my friend that I started shooting portraits of people. Um, and, and then, yeah, I think a lot of the art inspirations, again, come from uh, basically really good films or other good photos. So um, yeah, for example, uh, yeah, like obviously the cyberpunk aesthetic, you know, you would come from films like Blade Runner or um, yeah, so like some of my favorite films, you know, there's like 2001 Space Odyssey, Blade Runner, and like just other sci-fi, like sometimes anime too, like Ghost in the Shell, Akira, um, those kind of things. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so so I think, I think yeah, it's a combination of just different films and other people's photography, and then but also just playing around a bit on my own. That's how I arrive at the style, I would say. Nice, nice. Do people come to you looking for that kind of style now? uh yeah sometimes um but i do shoot like just kind of in terms of photography i also shoot just like normal kind of fashion editorial style things or sometimes i do these like vintage-ish like blurred fuzzy dreamy look as well so uh but i am trying to kind of you know uh have them like further develop my distinct style so so that you know i become like um you know, because I think the more niche your style is, the more unique it is, the more people will come to you, right? Because if you shoot something that everyone's is shooting, then, you know, people are just going to maybe only look at your price or, you know, other things and they, you oh, know, yeah. they can just pick anyone else, right? So, yeah, I'm definitely trying to make, like, this kind of, like, cyberpunk sci-fi or maybe retro dreamy look to be, um, you know, more of a unique style of mine. And sometimes people will come to me for it, uh, but there's also other people who... You know, want to do other styles who come to me as well like if they just want to do like normal editorial stuff or um, other other um, whatever other style they might have in mind interesting so when people come to you do they already kind of know what kind of pictures they want uh it depends like i think some some people they have they, they might just come to me and they, they just show me like some of my previous photos and they just say they want something like that you know and then <laughs> Other times it could be more broad, like they just tell me what they're looking for. Like, you know, maybe they're doing some, uh, you, you know, like a editorial for some of their products or something, um, or maybe it's like a portfolio piece for modeling or something like that. Um, but but yeah, I, I think, I think oh, and another thing we often do is like, we can come up with like a mood board before the shoot. So where uh, I think it's pretty common amongst like most artistic practices you know you just come up with a mood board of like visual style references and like you know maybe find a bunch of like make a board on pinterest or something you know with the kind of color palette or environment or the general mood you're going for and that, that could help as well but uh, but yeah i think there's a wide range like some people maybe they already know what they want to do other people maybe it's more broad and then we just figure something out have you ever like rejected any projects um let me think. I, I think honestly, like, you know, cause I'm also, I, I would consider myself to also be kind of starting out. So in general, I think, you, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't think there's any project that I just kind of straight out rejected. I think usually it sure. would be more like maybe like the rate is, they don't think is suitable or like, right. you know, oftentimes with freelancing too, you know, maybe people try to low volume and stuff exactly. like that. And then, so I think it's more like the technical, maybe managing side. Sometimes mm. it doesn't work out or maybe even just a schedule or something. Um, but in terms of like, 
you know, if if it's just like a, I don't think we had any like really big conflict of vision and things like that when it comes to like these artistic choices so far. So yeah. Okay, so uh, so you mentioned rates, so I wanted to ask you as well. Um, how do you determine your rates, um, whether it be for photography or for filmmaking? Yeah, so I think there's definitely like a general standard in the industry, which um, I, I guess I just kind of base my rate based on that. So for um, photo and okay, so for photo, like I think some a lot of photographers would do like hourly rate, but I don't usually do that. Usually I would just have like a flat rate for the whole project. And the reason I do that is because, you know, sometimes like a shoot could be like really relaxing and, and you know, easy, but then it might take a longer or it might be like, or, or even like, I don't, I don't want to like look at my watch and be like, okay, now it's like one hour I'm going to do it, so I'm going to have to charge you double, you know, like sometimes it's just, I think the general effort and, and also you have to um, edit the photos after exactly. too. So it's just, I, I usually just agree like a flat rate, like, you know, I'll do like around like one or two hours off shoot and I'll give you like this many edited photos and then this will be the flat rate. So that way, you know, we don't have to like keep checking our watches during the shoot or like, yeah. you, you know, specify like small things like oh you know if, if this time goes over or like this many photos goes over it's how much so it's like a flat rate and for um videos it's usually um so if it's the sh video shooting i think usually people go by day rates and that's what i do as well so um yeah and depends on the situation like you know um because if you're shooting like a narrative short film or like, like an indie film or something like that uh a, a day could be very long it could be like you know up to 12 hours or more sometimes yeah. um or or you know it could be more regular to like eight hours but so a day rate you know like people will charge like uh you know a specific rate for a day of work or if it's like a really short one it might be like a half day rate so for example let's say if someone charged like you know 800 a day or something um but then the shoot is only like four hours so they might do like half a day rate so which would be 400 um and then yeah yeah but but it kind of depends because in filmmaking there's like so many different roles too like um you know i was just talking about like a, maybe a day rate for example to shoot videos but other times like if you're doing a film you know there's like people that does lighting like gaffers grips you know like maybe production assistant like people that just do like miscellaneous stuff on set right and then so so different you might need like uh you know there's different rate for different people as well um but uh but yeah i would say for photo uh, me personally i charge like i try to figure out the flat rate based on what the people want and then for the video um if it's like a just shooting and then editing like an event or something then usually like a day rate and plus maybe like another fee for editing and for film it's kind of like all over the place like different <laughs> rules have different rates and then like um you know oftentimes people also work you know like if your friends is making like a passion project you know oftentimes people help out for free as well and then maybe the budget will be spent more on you know like props or like gears or whatnot and then but uh but essentially like most roles like on set would also have a rate it's just different for everyone um but yeah that's that's um, generally how it works i would say okay do you have like any yeah sorry it, do you have, like, it any seems like <laughs> wait sorry what yeah i'll go first do you have like any horror stories um of like clients just never paying or just asking for a million revisions or anything like that well that could probably get brutal 
Yeah, I yeah, yeah, that happens sometimes. Like there's this one uh example, I think like when I was in undergrad, I took up a gig with another uh colleague of mine actually, and I think he um yeah, yeah, it's just wait, let me just think of it about what happened. Um yeah, definitely gotta censor out all the names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So but yeah, basically we we got commissioned to do like a, this little commercial thing for a fundraising campaign for someone's product. And then, uh, yeah, so the, the, the colleague I was working with, he's, he's actually the one that's kind of hard to work with. So the client says something and then I think he came up with like this kind of idea for how he wants to do things on his own. And then it basically ended up going a lot over budget and we spent a lot of the time and effort on the project, but then like basically all the budget was spent on getting like gears and stuff like that. So we didn't really even keep barely anything in our own pockets. And then, but then, and then also because he wasn't, you know, he didn't check with the client every step of the way, like the final product was also like, I mean, it was acceptable, but it was kind of different than what the client was, the direction that the client was going for. So that's obviously kind of difficult, like for both ends because the client didn't get what they want. And then like, we also spent like so much effort and money, but we don't even get to like keep much earning to ourselves. Like, and then, so that was difficult. And then, um, yeah, yeah. But other, otherwise there's also in terms of photo shoot, there's also, there's this one time where this model wanted to commission me to do a shoot, but then like I showed up at a, you know, in Richmond, I drove from like, you know, I drove for a while to get to a destination and then uh, they didn't show up and then they're like, oh shit, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm okay. I'm not allowed to swear on this podcast. You can censor it out if you want. But uh, yeah, they were like, oh, you know, uh, my bad. And then uh, they even offer like, you know, can we please do it again? I'll even give you a deposit. Like something really came up. And then, and then I was like, okay, this person seems pretty honest, you know, like maybe they have right. something, so I'll, I'll just do it again. You know, you don't have to give me a deposit. Let's just get this shoot done next time. And then, but then next time they didn't show up again. Again? It was just oh. like, I, I don't know. I think, I think they have some, like, maybe they have some like recurring medical condition or something. I'm not sure. But uh, anyways, that was really bad. Cause I, you know, I show up twice for nothing. And then, uh, yeah, it's, it's just annoying when people don't oh, show. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and even in terms of like, uh, again, on the film production side, like sometimes, you know i mean in general like even if you're doing a student film especially in the industry like people would show up and do their job right but then still sometimes you get people who maybe they either show up late or they don't do their part properly or maybe some occasionally maybe they don't even show up at all and it's just really frustrating you know because there's like because oh, yeah. filmmaking is always like a multi-person effort mm -hmm. and if like someone with an important role doesn't show up then it kind of just ruins it for the entire production right kind of like ruins it for everyone you might have to like waste more money to like book the location again next time or like, oh yeah you know pay it's just it's just really frustrating yeah when um so, sometimes when things don't come together so yeah yeah sweet it, it seems like you like spend like when you do films or even photography you do like you spend a lot of hours like eight hours a day or it could be four do you ever like feel burnt out like after these shoots or like while you're editing and all that yeah for sure um yeah like i mentioned before like uh, in the film industry like 12 hour days are pretty standard sometimes people do like 15 hours as well i, really? I i've done like two 15 hour shifts before but uh 
it, it was for a production assistant role actually so i it, it's like a pretty is almost like the film equivalent of like an intern position so mm -hmm. i i definitely don't plan on doing that too often <laughs> ever <laughs> again but uh you know it's a like good learning experience i guess but but yeah definitely it gets really tiring and uh uh yeah just a lot of hours you know it's, it gets basically exhausting um oh, yeah. if you're doing like physical work but also mentally too you know like if you're for example shooting your own film like you have to try to oh i'm sorry there's like some noise also i'm gonna go it's okay. real quick yeah I, I don't even hear it yeah i didn't even hear it <laughs> man this background <laughs> i keep just looking at it what do you you want it are you jealous of this background <laughs> Yeah, I can I can send you the, the background later that, if you want. Uh, yeah. But yeah, what, what was I saying? Yeah, it, it gets mentally, like both physically and mentally exhausting as well, because obviously if you're doing physical work for like 12 hours or more, it's going to get exhausting. And mentally too, like if you're, especially if you're making your own film, um, especially yeah. in indie productions, because like sometimes if you're on like a big union set or something, then everyone has like a specific job you know and then you just worry about your own thing mm -hmm. but if you're doing like an indie film like or a student film or something um a lot of times you know one person has to do many things right like if you want to make your own story come true you you gotta direct it you gotta like sometimes you shoot it at the same time too and then you edit it and then you do all the planning you contact oh, yeah. all the people the, oh, yeah. the location and then and then you know so you gotta kind of like keep all that in mind while you're still like on set doing all these physical stuff as well yeah, it could be mentally and, and then sometimes you know maybe things go wrong and then like like i said maybe people don't show up or like uh you, you just never know you know like because when you're arranging like a thing that involves so many people like it's just you just never know what's gonna go wrong and then, like yeah. there could be uh, so many yeah, variables yeah yeah okay so kind of going back to that point of uh like creative uh like differences right so uh what you have in mind versus what the client has um, like different creative visions between your colleagues how do you try and reconcile all of that do you have like a contract or yeah especially when you're like working with like other people in, on the same project right yeah, so I think if it's like more of a businessy, like you're working with a client as a freelancer or something, in that case, I think uh, usually uh, you, when it comes to like photo or video, I think oftentimes you would just uh, agree with them beforehand, like either verbally or through a contract, ideally, that, you know, like this is great for doing this much and you can have to up to, uh, for example, two revisions. That's a common one. So, so then it's like you make the video and you show them an edit. And if they don't like it, they have two chances to get like free edits. Mm. And then if after that they still don't like it, then you gotta charge them more. So you it will just be agreed upon right. in that way. Um, but in terms of like if you're working on, um, like if it's not like a strictly monetary project where maybe you're like working on a passion project together, where even just like, or or even on a film set, like I I think um again like on films because um it, it's a pretty hierarchical structure so um a lot of people compare like film sets to militaries because the, the structure is like really hierarchical you know it's just, like the top people say the oh, direction and yeah, then like yeah, the people be. who have specific roles they have to do exactly what their roles are mm. so i think on a film set it's basically like you know you, if you're working with a friend then maybe you can make suggestions and you know they can listen to it or not but ultimately it's important that the director gets the final say uh, or, you know, if you're in the camera department, then the director of photography gets the final say, right? Like, like if you're, for example, if you're helping on your friend's project as like a lighting person or something, you know, like you, you, you wouldn't like 
argue with someone and be like, hey, you know, I think this actor should say this, you know, it will be up to the director. You can make like suggestions about how you want things to go. But ultimately, I think it's important just to keep things running smoothly that like, you know, the director or of the film or the director of that department makes the decision. Um, yeah, so so I think, and, and seeing with like, if I do my own project, like if I make a short film, for example, like, and I have some like friends helping me out or something, um, or, or not even just for a film, like I think for photos and other things too, like um, I think it's important that um, just to keep things organized on a multiple person project that maybe one person or, uh, or maybe two, but like they have the final say, like other, other people can make suggestions. But, you know, just to keep things running smoothly, I think it's important to have be organized and have like maybe one or two people that can actually make the final call. So, you know, right. that, that way, that's the only way you can get anything done, right? Because if you are gonna like disagree over things here and there, especially in art, right? Like there's just infinite ways you can approach, you know, any project, right? Because it's like a creative endeavor. So, but yeah, ultimately I think people can make suggestions, but maybe the director or the main like art person uh, or whoever's leading the project and makes the final say. So this is uh, more just out of curiosity for me. Uh, did you find that uh, film school was necessary for what you're trying to do now? Because at least for, for things in tech, I feel like everything's just online now. You just, I mean, school's online too, but, but you know, so is everything. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like. I, I mean, the, I, again, like I'm also kind of branching out into other medias myself. And so, you know, I, I think, yeah, there's like two ways to look at it. I think like one is like, you definitely don't need a film degree to be in the film industry. Mm -hmm. um, and same with like, you know, a lot of other industry like tech, for example, like you said, right? Like, um, so, so yeah, people can definitely, you know, learn from just being on other people's projects and, and you know, search stuff online. Uh, so people, and lots of people do that and very successfully too, for sure. Um, but, but I would say, you know, school definitely teaches helpful things as well. Cause I think, um, yeah, cause especially I think in this day and age, you know, it's rare for people to actually go like a really straightforward career path. You know, for example, if someone wants to be like, um, you know, I think in the old days, it's just like, oh, you know, you want to be an accountant, you go to accounting school, and then you become an accountant after graduate, and, and that's it, you know, like, I, I mean, a lot of people are still like that today, which is, you know, it, it's nice for them, but uh, uh, oftentimes, you know, people might study one major, and they end up somewhere else, or maybe they don't even study, but they just do a bunch of different jobs, and then they accumulate experience to figure out maybe they actually want this other job that, you know, their skills are suitable for, and, and then they pursue that, so I think it's whatever you end up doing and whatever you study, like I think in general, um, you know, what, whatever you learn, it's always gonna accumulate, you know, like, and I think especially in, in um, film, but in other industries as well, but especially in film, cause uh, film specifically, it's like a field that involves multiple different skills, right? Like for example, a lot of people might be a writer at first and then they become a filmmaker, you know, because they're so good at writing and coming up with stories. Or maybe uh, you know someone could be like a, a like a really good photographer at first, and then they they move into like and become like a cinematographer because it's uh, but uh, that's kind of even more straightforward example. But there's even more where it's just like 
people do something completely different or they do a bunch of things that seems totally irrelevant but then in the end they kind of like i mean maybe maybe Mike, michael you probably know about this right like you you studied like different things and now you're making a waffles where i'm making a podcast you know like i think i think like whatever you learn the skills definitely accumulate and especially in today's age i think you know there's just like so many different things you can pursue and whatever skills you learn i think you always accumulate and you know it's definitely possible for people to just find you know like like a right thing for them as uh, as long sure. as they you know keep an open mind and keep on learning you know like um but in terms of like actually getting to a specific industry like you know, I would say, you know, a lot of industry, you probably don't need a degree to get into it and mm -hmm. uh, film industry as well and like full photo and many others. But but still, I think just it, it's still helpful to go to school, you know, because they, they, they teach you a bunch of like, you know, sometimes they teach you practical skills, sometimes they teach you like maybe just like really big ideas and theories or they, you, you know, like those things, I think in the short terms, they might not seem practical because you're like, hey, how does like learning about philosophy and history tell me how to better use a camera, right? Like some people are, they, they just are close-minded. They don't think it's helpful. But I think in the end, it always helps, you know, because maybe many years later, when you're finally experienced or resource enough to be a director, you know, then that's when you use those theories and those other like more abstract stuff to, you know, maybe build your own business of some kind or like write a script of your own that's, you know, so so I think it always accumulates and it, it's always helpful. Yeah. Yeah, history tends to repeat itself. So if you if you got some knowledge regarding like history, it's always good to have. Yeah, yeah, but but yeah, I think in general, just like for sure, you don't necessarily need like a film degree for yeah. film industry, or with many other industries, you don't need an industry. I mean, a degree in that exactly. one to get it. But it's just helpful to still learn something, you know, like because mm -hmm. the I think that even the abstract ideas they might teach you is still gonna help you later in life. You know, it helps you think from different perspectives, which is like always helpful, you know, no matter what you do. Yeah, for sure. Just bringing like different skill sets from different industries into into other industries, you know, you could have like quite a bit of an advantage too, right? For sure. Mm -hmm. It's like having a doctor who. So I'm sure there's some people watching that that wants to, yeah, become a filmmaker and do all this, but they just didn't go to film school, didn't ever, you know, consider the field. How would you, like, what kind of advice would you give them? Like, what are some like, good resources they could use? For the film industry, you mean? Or, mm -hmm. or just like wanting to start using a camera. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, like, like you mentioned, right? Like, there's like so many tutorials online that you could just get started with. And uh, I mean, people always say this, but you know, I, I think it's true. Like, you just got to go out there and, and start shooting, you know, and then start making things, you know, like, it, it doesn't matter if you're if your first try, it's like really, really crap, you know, like, you, you can just keep on learning. And then, um, I guess, specifically for like films, you could try to you know, get involved on people's sets. Like if at first you don't have a lot of skills, you can try to, you know, get involved in student films or something, you know, oftentimes like Indian student films or, um, excuse me, yeah, they, they post like casting calls on like Facebook groups, that, that that's a big one. Like there's, yeah, uh, the, yeah, Facebook groups, I think that's a, it's a good starting point for many things like for photo and film, because people are always, you know, they might look for crews and the collaborators for their projects and then like they might post it on like, like Facebook or other social media um, or, or just, you know, get started connecting with your friends too, you know, if you have any um, 
yeah, like photos, for example, I started out shoot, shooting portraits of my friends at first, you know, before I was able to get a little portfolio to them, like look for maybe more experienced models and or just at least people I don't know. You know, it's always good to start with friends at first. Um, but but yeah, otherwise, like, you know, just online, there's lots of tutorials and then you can try to like getting to like the communities that does this craft. So whether if it's photo or or film or like maybe design or something like there's always like online communities for those things and you can just like learn with like other people who are also trying to pursue this craft so um but ultimately yeah just uh, if you start making something something then you can just improve from there you know and keep learning sure. get involved in communities and all that stuff so yeah that's very true have you ever like thought about starting uh like a youtube or something uh documenting all your uh, filmmaking process I think it'd be pretty interesting. Like Jack is too busy for that, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I I did actually have a YouTube channel when I was seeing, like when I first started making video, like in my elementary school days, mm -hmm. like, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. Now, now I just put like some of my noteworthy works on my website for you know potential employers or whatnot mm -hmm. clients. Um, but uh, yeah, and I do have a my current grad program actually they they encourage us to some of the classes force us to like document our process as well so definitely keeping a record for some of the projects there as well yeah that's good okay okay you should try using tiktok jack just put like just like behind the scene works on there yeah i actually i actually did start a tiktok like a couple months oh, ago nice. and i posted like some videos there uh That's no good. big exposures there so far but i'm definitely gonna keep on posting there once yeah you gotta be more uh, consistent you know but you get a yeah lot i think more the, the algorithm is like pretty pretty random you know like i have friends who would yeah 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 like like i think i have some friends or like friends friends who like never got any views and then but then they would like post every week or something and then one day they just suddenly get like you, you know a million views or exactly, something and yeah. it's just it's pretty it's crazy. crazy like yeah, because I think on YouTube and stuff, like if you have like a hundred subscribers or something, then it's unlikely you're suddenly gonna get like two million views. No, no, but no. I think on, on TikTok, like I think that happens sometimes. Like yeah, the, the organic reach on TikTok is crazy. So yeah, yeah, you should most definitely try I mean, to put something yeah. out there. You could also try you know, like OnlyFans because they're trying <laughs> to move away from uh, that that whole other side now. Maybe maybe like a... no, they brought it. No, they're not. They're not getting rid of that anymore. Oh, they brought it oh, back. They're not? Yeah, yeah. So they're, they're bringing <laughs> okay, back. Okay, well, well that, that could be a direction. You know, like I, I have, I always have friends who, who tell me I should, I should make uh, adult videos because of my filmmaking background. No, but OnlyFans <laughs> has their own like uh, thing where it's like OnlyFans TV. So they, they like show like behind the scenes of like all these content creators, like their day to day life, and it's like not just like you know explicit content yeah just 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 explicitly good <laughs> okay so you know um obviously when you're um trying to you know make something else you need some equipment right so if you're just starting out what kind of equipment would you recommend that uh, that they start with yeah i think um so for video and photo like i i personally got I, I right now I mostly use like a Sony a7 III camera because it's good for both video and, and photo. Um, but honestly, like I think especially for um, 
yeah, like, okay, so I'll talk about photo first. I think for photo, um, I mean, obviously, both photo and video, like, if you really want and you're, you're like, you don't have a budget, you can just use an iPhone or something, you know, like, right. honestly, iPhones are pretty high depth, but, you know, you can already, like, experiment with compositions and, like, types of shots even using that. But, you know, if, you, if people want to, like, invest a little bit, and um, I, I think for photo, like, mm, I mean, most cameras are probably good. Like, just, I think as long as you get a camera that has, like, manual settings, because I think some cameras, they, like, for example, iPhone camera, they, they just do everything automatic. But I think it's important, like, if you actually want to get into it, like, you play around with, like, the three main settings, uh, which are, you know, the shutter speed, aperture, and the ISO. So I, I think any camera that has those settings with the option to do it manually is fine. And, and sometimes, like, yeah, so if you get a camera, that, as long as it's manual, you can, like, start playing around with it already. And then, um, yeah, similar with video, like, I mean, honestly, iPhone records, like, pretty high-quality video already. But if you want to, like, get practice, I think it's good to, again, get, like, a manual camera that has those three settings. Um, Otherwise, yeah, like, I mean, I like my own current camera, like the a7 III, because it does both good photo and videos. But uh, I think another entry level camera that's pretty common and not very pricey is like the Canon Rubble. I think this like the T, uh, I forgot. But but yeah, just let, look up like, like Canon Rubble is a good one. Yeah, and it's not very pricey. Um, and then, you know, you could also get like a stabilizer. Like there's like stabilizer for iPhones now, like, uh, you know, DJI makes like really nice iPhone stabilizers, and you know they're they're not too expensive. And obviously, you can get a stabilizer for your camera as well. You know, if you uh, and they're actually not not that expensive either. So um, so yeah, stabilizer camera. Um, and then I mean that's for shooting footage or photo mostly. Or but you know if people want to get into other things like sound or something, I I don't know too much about sound equipments, but uh. Yeah, that's the camera part, and then yeah, yeah. But but I, I think it's just important to make things like again, you know, even if you just use an iPhone, you can already start experimenting with different ways to shoot things. And they even have like film festivals now, where it's just like iPhone film festival or something like they Damn. specifically look for people who makes project with their iPhone. And it's like a yeah, yeah. And there's also those like people who are shooting like you know a feature film on an iPhone just for you know just to do this thing kind of, you know so it's uh yeah definitely many ways to start yeah don't don't be you, you definitely don't need like a fancy equipment to start yeah you think like like it seems like iphones are like they're like camera features are getting so much more better you think they'll like eventually replace cameras all in all well it's hard to say um yeah i mean maybe in the it, I mean, I think at least for now, like you would definitely still need to, like, if you want to do things professionally, you yeah. would still need to do like all those manual settings and, you know, no different camera movement and right, have a right. good sense of composition. So I, I think even if, um, but at the same time, they, they are trying to make it more and more. Uh, Wait, what if they added all those that? manual settings? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I'm not sure. Like, um, <laughs> I mean, I was trying to say, like, even if they do add it, like, you will still need to, you know, learn, just play around with, like, compositions and, That's like, true. know what each setting does and things like that. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, they are making things more, like, accessible for everyone. I would say. Because even for video editing, I think, like, when I was starting out, 
it, it was just like maybe like Windows Movie Maker or something. It's still like a software on the computer. And then obviously most people use Premiere, like I still use Premiere. Um, but nowadays, like like I was actually teaching like a short like kids kind of summer camp film little video class earlier. And then like a lot of the kids, they just show up and they're like, hey, I actually already have this like video editing app on my phone. And then they, they some, some of them just like, only use that and like so I, I looked around a bit too and there are definitely like many apps like even TikTok has like you know a video editor editing, in its yeah. own too so and and, and I think uh, Vimeo or was it Vimeo or Blank I forgot but um they even come up with like a totally automatic video editor where you're just slapping all the footage and then you just press a button and then the app just pumps out like an already edited video for you Damn. So yeah yeah so so it's definitely more accessible now um but you know, maybe it'll probably still take like a lot more to for like for for people to completely branch away from. Um, right. Like, like I, I think you're still gonna you're still gonna need like professional people. You know, if you because it's not the same if like you pump the video into the app without knowing what what it is, and mm -hmm. then you just pumps out the video, right? Like it's always different if you actually know exactly every process and you can modify every part to be like exactly how you want it, you know, especially if you're telling a story, for example, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's kind of similar with like, maybe uh, like, you know, Wix and Squarespace, like they they can generate a website for you, right? But ultimately, like if you're like a huge company and you want like exact ways to market yourself or something, you will still want like a web designer that like, oh, that's so true. You know, yeah. manually yeah. called out like every single section, right? Like obviously it's good that like normal ordinary people can just like go on Wix or whatever and then make a website with like one click. But ultimately there's still professionals out there mm -hmm. who can like manually craft out every single detail for the people who actually need something done in like a very specific way, you know? So, so I think same with like video and photos as well. Okay, that's so true. It definitely seems a lot more accessible now, whether you're trying to get into photography or filmmaking. Um, yeah, gimbals are super cheap. Cameras are also, you know, pretty cheap. And uh, for the same price, it, it feels like you get like a lot more for your money now with cameras, especially. Yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, in the even older days, you know, it used to just be film camera. So it's like, if you want to shoot video, you literally have to be like rich enough to have a film camera and then you have to like, shoot the films going to a dark room and all, all that you know and then mm. but now it's just anyone can just take out their phone and make a video so it's definitely more accessible like so if people want to do it they can definitely it's easier it's getting easier and easier to like get started for sure mm -hmm. not even just equipment too it, it feels like um like stuff with luminar ai recently like the bokeh ai that thing works like really well um it's like this photo editing uh, uh, program, but they use like AI to analyze your photos. Is, is oh yeah, was that the one where I think it does like skin retouch and it also like makes things that are out of focus turn back into focus or something. Right? I think so, yeah. It can do sky yeah. replacements like super easily wow. and too. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. definitely, it's definitely like getting more accessible and like more, more, more tools, yeah. How do you think that's gonna affect, I guess, like future film industries and like future photographers? Just everything being so much more accessible. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the indie like scene is probably gonna keep on increasing because it, it already has. Like, I you know, because sometimes I also listen to like other podcasts by like older filmmakers and stuff, and sometimes they would just talk about how again, you know, in the old days, it's just like you literally have to like buy a roll of film and then like 
shoot it and you don't even know what it looks like until after you watch the film and it's like, it's like no one even has can no one can just not anyone can just do that you know like but nowadays again you know you can just make a video on your phone and upload it onto youtube um so we're already experiencing like a big shift in the industry right from just kind of like only academic people who are rich can do it and i was like anyone can do it and mm -hmm. so maybe in the future it's just gonna be even more you know like even even like little kids can probably i mean even today like little kids if they want they can sure. just make a short film only on their phone right um so so i think yeah it's definitely gonna get more accessible but um you know just like most other industries like i think ultimately you know the the professional people who are who know more about it you know they will probably still be doing like things that the normal consumer wouldn't be able to do like um yeah yeah like like just like that example i, I made with the website right like i think similar with video and film like you know because because you know a normal 12 year old they, maybe they can make their short film today but then they won't be able to make like a marvel film you know so, so, so there's true. always going to be a difference um but yeah it's, it, it's definitely good that it's getting more accessible because now more people can you know explore their interests and decide if they want to you know do this professionally or something right right nice so uh you're uh actually trying to branch out more into like the tech side too right i think uh what are you studying again in New York? Yeah, it's called, so my program is called uh, Interactive Telecommunication uh, ITP, and it's, it's like a human-computer interaction program. Uh, it, but yeah, it's, it's pretty vague. It's basically just things that involves art and technology. So some for some examples, they're like, you know, VR, like virtual reality, augmented reality, and people do like interactive art installations, or um, some people also just do like, interaction design um and then our game design as well is involved sometimes um for me personally uh just since last semester and this summer i've been digging a bit into virtual production filmmaking mm. so which is basically um like a big project where they did that recently is the disney's mandalorian um i, I don't know if uh, if people heard but basically it's, it's um instead of using a green screen, you'll make like a 3D environment in the in a game engine. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you would just show that environment on a giant LED screen. So instead of using a green screen, you would just have the people and the set in front of that big screen and you just shoot it right away. So whatever you get in the oh. camera is the final thing. Um, but there's other types of virtual production as well. Like there's also like fully virtual ones where it's basically like a <clears throat> 3D animated film. Like <clears throat> you can do motion capture and things and it would just be completely 3d i, I think um disney's like lion king live action one was actually done that way like they make everything 3d but then they would like virtually shoot it like they would have cameras where like you put like a vibe tracker on the camera and it tracks the camera's movement and that then controls the camera inside the game engine so Damn. they're actually using like a combination of real and like virtual things to make these like 3d sometimes fully 3d sometimes like half 3d things um so so yeah that's a field that i'm just kind of starting to get a little bit into um so it's definitely interesting yeah I'll, I'll, I'll see if i can like maybe learn more about that field and then or but potentially other things too like i mentioned like there's also vr and a bunch of other things in the program so yeah i think i remember seeing something you made it was like a it was an unreal engine four right yeah, yeah, Unreal Engine 4 or 5, like, yeah, it's, but yeah, Unreal Engine. Cool, man. 
what drew you to this and what do you hope to get out of this? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, like my current grad program is kind of like does anything that combines art and technology and, uh, and, you know, because I have like a filmmaking background. So I think that's a good way, you know, to kind of combine the two. It's like still kind of filmmaking and storytelling, but then with more technology involved. And, uh, and honestly, like even when I first started making films, right, like I mentioned before, it's, it's like inspired by Call of Duty, right? Like I, I actually get inspired from like by like a lot of cinematic video games as well. So I think even from before, like even when I was only doing filmmaking, I was already like, you know, consuming a lot of video game contents. And I, I'm already familiar with like a lot of the, you know, storytelling language or like tools that are using video games. So I think this is like, is is definitely like an interesting uh, uh, element for me to explore, you know, just with my previous interest in video game and film and, you know, just in this technology program. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, I still, um, I really enjoyed uh, Bioshock Infinite. I don't know if you ever played it. Um, oh, yeah. I, I played it when I was like, kind of like when it first came out, I was like, so I don't remember much, but yeah, very, very cool art direction. And like, yeah, yeah. Story really, that yeah. One. Still sticks out to me. I mean, it's just like, it's still very cool. Maybe that's something. Yeah, that, yeah. I'd love to see it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, those types of video games are definitely like the types that I, I get inspired by as well, because it's like, video game but it has a story and it's like really cinematic and has a distinct art style so for sure yeah that's definitely the type of uh, content that I get inspired by as well mm, super cool super cool okay do you have any uh, behind the scenes projects you could share with us Anything going uh on? yeah I mean wait how, how do you want me to like like, like a link or something um or just no, talk just about like, it yeah just talk about it just anything that you could share Oh yeah, I mean, the yeah, I, I'm actually working on like a little animated kind of virtual production, little animated shorting on Real Engine right now this summer. Uh, and but the other one is the Blade Runner film I just finished, and yeah. it's just kind of again it took like almost two years to finish because like nothing was getting done during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, this other one I'm working on the Unreal Engine one is. It's pretty much just, uh, I'm just doing it by myself. Basically, it's kind of like half practicing as well, like a learning experience. But I'm making this kind of mm, sci-fi-ish uh, short film about the, um, like the, the Voyager spacecraft, which was this, um, like the Golden Disc Voyager spacecraft that was right. launched, I think, in the, like the 60s or the 80s, I forgot. But they launched it with like a message for the aliens embedded uh building this so so this is a yeah. real thing like they actually nice. watched it and then so i'm making one kind of based off of that like uh basically the premise is like the like some alien actually found it but i, I guess i won't say much about what else happens but <laughs> are you gonna that's, post that's what like, it's about are you gonna post it on your instagram like some yeah of, yeah some of it uh yeah so on the ukp films one i, I actually already posted like one preview shot i went oh, really? so far from that okay. one yeah um but, but yeah, I've been working on it like throughout the summer and then hopefully I'll, you know, get it done sometime in, uh, you know, maybe before the end of the year or something. Sweet. Yeah. I can't wait to see the end finished product. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. The alien that found it was Elon Musk and then he just had to like come by. Yo, did you, yeah. like Tesla's making these like bots. Did you hear about this, Jack? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I only saw like the memes actually. I didn't. Even, I should that's probably crazy. The actual articles. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, yeah. That seems pretty crazy. It's like, yeah, Elon Musk is doing a lot of like sci-fi stuff. It's really for cool. sure. Yeah. I can't wait to see these bots in real life. Like, you go all of a uh-huh. sudden go grocery shopping and you see this Tesla bot, like registering you for your, like your grocery at the <laughs> checkout clerk. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually crazy because like there's like Blade Runner people like fans that say it's like it's basically like Blade Runner because the the Blade Runner films is about like in the near future like people make these like robots and use them as slave labor and then like the film just revolves around that setting. So. Yeah, we're getting like more sci-fi things come true every day. Yeah, man, these replicants, they're coming. Yeah, they are. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, those are all the questions I had. Do you have any more? No, I don't have any right now. Nice, dude. Yeah. But I think well, we went over a lot. Yeah, honestly. Because this yeah, is it was nice, nice chatting with you guys. Yeah, for sure, man. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, thank you for being on the show. It was a pleasure um, having you, Jack. Yeah, thanks for having me. That, that was really fun. Yeah. No Excited way. to to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, I think it'll, it'll, it should be up in the next few days, right? 